Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready, here, ready, here, ready, here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. We're thrilled because we're actually streaming live on Facebook, having trouble with Restream, no aspersions being cast. I'm so thrilled. This is such an interesting topic because it impacts every one of you. Somebody is wearing something you bought or made from somewhere, and we're going to call that fashion, whether it's a garment, whether it's an accessory, a hat, a pair of shoes, fashion, fashion, fashion. And the fashion industry industry has been impacted by technology for many, many years. But how much technology and what does it mean for dressing the industry for success? Well, we're going to find out. I have a very interesting panel, and I have some quotes to set us up before we find out who my four experts are. So I have a quote from VogueBusiness.com. Yes, I didn't even know they had a website. Listen up. Fashion's future hinges on digital tools that combine the physical and digital while adapting to customer needs, customers are all of us, including 3D design, oh my, on-demand manufacturing, and video shopping. You may be involved with that or are familiar with it or maybe not. I have another quote from a blog on a website called dgen.org. Listen up. There's a lot of different technology that can be used throughout the fashion industry. While higher performing materials and better production methods are continually being designed, AI, artificial intelligence, blockchain, and IoT, that's Internet of Things, enable better practices during manufacturing and post-sales. The fashion industry has, listen up, a high potential for adapting the formula. Sustainability is the new black. Oh my. So I have four guests in the industry of fashion and tech. We're going to find out who they are. We're going to be welcoming Rising's Martin Stenzik, who's been on shows with me before. Welcome, Martin. And he engaged this panel. We have Brian Cedarborg. Brian, you can wave to the Facebook audience. Say hello, Brian. There he is. And we have Attune Consulting's Kim McIntosh. Kim, say hello. Just wave. And we have Harin Nanayakara. I hope I said Hi, that right. Harin, wave. Good. Hey, Everybody's hey. here. We'll count it for. We're so happy to be live streaming on Facebook. I've been trying for days and connections <laughs> being what they are. What can I tell you? So let's go to my guest. Martin Stanzig, I'm going to put you on full speaker view right now. You're my first guest. And again, thank you for engaging this panel. Can't wait to hear what they predict. Martin, why don't you take some time to introduce yourself, about three minutes. What do you do? What's interesting about you? And how did you get into the fashion tech? area. And remember, Martin, I think you were on a show with me about a year or two ago. It's possible that there might be 10 people who don't remember you and shame <laughs> on them. So you talk to those 10 people and you refresh their memory. Martin Stenzig, welcome. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, thanks, Bonnie, for having us. Yeah, my name is Martin Stenzig. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Rising. And at Rising in the innovation space, what we're doing is we're combining technology with our subject matter expertise, one of them being fashion and retail. So that's kind of where we are putting things together. And I think where we're different at Rising is that we are not just consultants or, or a company that just puts something on a slide in innovation, but we're actually testing things out and making things real. And I think that's the big differentiator for us to essentially apply the technology in a real world setting. Um, and, and make sure is that whenever we are suggesting something to, to companies that we're working with that are actually 
is working out and we can make it work. Thank you very much, Martin. How did you get into this field? And Martin, I want you to hold your microphone a little closer to your mouth. We're losing you. Oh, just, sure. There you go. That's better. How did you get into fashion? Are you somebody who says, oh, I want that jacket, but not that one? I think I'll find out about the technology behind that. What, what brought you into this field? Just because of rising or is there a personal interest? Yeah, well, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, as you can tell, as I'm not the most fashionable guy, I'm still wearing black. But uh, no, um, the subject matter expertise came with <laughs> came with the with the rising expansion into the fashion field. So I'm originally coming more from the technology side, but the but the fashion side was brought to me uh, through an acquisition that we have done in in the early days of our of our company. Thank you very much. Nice to see you again. Let's go to Harin Nanayakara. Harin, welcome. Hi, Happy to meet you. Why don't you take a couple of minutes and tell us who you are? You're brand new to my show and we'd love to get to meet you. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi, everyone. So my name is Harin. I'm based out of Colombo, Sri Lanka. Again, uh, uh, a bit far away from the normal audience. So I actually handle global sales and marketing for Attune. Attune is a SAP company. Uh, again, SAP is a big, big ERP that we implement. But our niche is implementing it for uh, uh, fashion companies globally. So from the Burberrys of the world, the Gucci's of the world, Adidas, Puma. So uh, again, we we sort of blend technology and business uh, processes. And yeah, so again, I, I've been with Attune uh, almost for fifteen plus years now. And what's nice your, what, thank you. And Harim, what is your passion for the fashion topic? Why, why is this important to you? So to me personally, again, I, I, I'm a person who likes to keep up with the latest, uh, latest uh, uh, things in clothing, apparel, accessories, uh, things like that. And also my background, I, I work for a fashion manufacturing uh, company as well. So again, I, I'm sort of from a personal interest, professional interest, uh, both as well. Thank you very much. And Martin, I have a comment back to you. You talked about you're still wearing black. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what do you think I wear on all my radio shows? Actually, my Monday night show, I have a red sparkly jacket. All my other shows, this is actually a, a black sparkly jacket. Basic black works beautifully on radio and on Zoom. So I just want to tell you, Martin, you are very fashionable. Let's just leave it at that. And speaking <laughs> of you. fashionable, we're going to welcome Kim McIntosh. Kim, love the color you're wearing, my dear. So <laughs> you get that. Black. I accessorize with red, Kim. You can see that. You have no idea what this costs, but that's my accessory. Kim McIntosh, welcome. Love your smile. Why don't you please do me the honor of introducing yourself to my audience? And what does fashion have to do with what you do? Go ahead, Kim. Thank you so much for having me, Bonnie. So Kim McIntosh, I am the general manager for North America for Attune. So we've been with Attune for about 11 years, and that was really how I started in the fashion piece with technology. My technology kind of path started about 18 years ago, uh, implementing, you know, large global customers, um, supply chain challenges uh, with, with back-end software, uh, ERP systems. And I got a call from Attune about 11 years ago and, and started doing that. And I thought, how great is this? I actually get to do, you know, fun stuff with technology, with fun industry like fashion. Who doesn't want to be part of fashion, right? 
So um, it's been a great uh, 11 years and, and uh, we love, love working with those clients and, and brands that everybody recognizes on a daily basis. Thank you, Kim. Let me ask you a personal question. When you go to buy clothing or accessories, shoes, hat, belt, scarf, pin, whatever it is you're, you're accessorizing with these days, do you look at it and say, oh, I wonder if 3D printing was involved? Oh, I wonder if, if there was a blockchain involved in the sustainability and the, the sourcing of this cotton? Where did, Do you think as a technologist when you purchase fashion, Kim, I've never asked this question of anybody, but does it change how you look at it? It does actually. It it actually does. I actually don't. I don't necessarily think about blockchain or those types of things, but I absolutely think about how, what's the supply chain that brought this to me today, and and how does that look right for for that for that brand or that industry. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for answering that because that's something we've been made aware of through something we used to call the millennials who are now very much entrenched in every industry in management. They've got expendable disposable income. They care about sustainability. And I think it's broader than just millennials. So when you talk about that, Kim, is this something you, you've thought about since fashion came into your, your portfolio or your resume? course. I mean, it's something that I probably never thought about before this, right? And so you're absolutely right. Millennials are the, are the key to this whole thing, right? As you start to think about how it was made, what the source of it was, how did it get here? What, you know, what was that whole process now is, is really top of mind, I, I think, in today's industry. So you agree with the quote I opened with sustainability is the new black. That's an interesting one. We're going to go with that. Brian Cedarborg, welcome. Last but of course not least, you're at Rising with Martin. I have to do a shout out to my my former colleague and, and old friend, Sherry Ann Meyer, who works for Rising in Marketing. So Sherry Ann, if you're listening or watching, hello. Brian, welcome. I'd love to have you as well introduce yourself to me and the audience. Go ahead, Brian. Great, thanks. Yeah, we love Sherry too. So hi uh, to her. So. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start with, I'm, you know, on, on the fashion theme. So I, I got my jewel tones I'm wearing, uh, <laughs> although my marketing team would be a bit upset because I'm wearing stripes. I was told not, don't wear stripes on video. So you have to forgive me. Hopefully it comes through fine. I think it's good. I wanted to mix it up today. I love the stripes. I love the jewel tone. So how did you get yeah. involved with rising and what does fashion mean to you? What's your, what's your passion for fashion, Brian? My passion. Yeah. So uh, for me, and I would say this is, you know, kind of link it to, to rising. So I would say that the secret for rising is, is the blend of the industry and the technology together. That's what separates us being able to, to have that blend together. And I, I would say I represent that blend in that 17 years uh, in industry, in, uh, in fashion and retail. In fact, my career started over 30 years ago in the stores in fashion apparel. So uh, that's, that's where it all started. And then 17 years since then has been all in consum consumer industries consulting. So supporting, when we say consumer industries, that, that's, that's fashion, retail, consumer products, and wholesale. So fashion being a key, key piece of that. So supporting some of the largest fashion and retail brands across, across the globe for the last 17 years. You've been in the industry, you've been working for 30 years. I, I'm finding that hard to believe, but that you and I'll take that offline later. Thank you very much, Brian. This doesn't just happen. I have to, you know, a, lot, a lot of effort goes into this. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much. By the way, it, to you, is sustainability the new black, like I just discussed with Kim McIntosh? Uh, it is. I mean, I would have said it uh, slightly differently. I would have said, um, you know, you know, maintaining your, you know, your image end to end is the new black. I mean, it's all the way from how you source your products to how you manage your, 
your image through your, you know, through your customers, that that's the new black. So being able to stay on top of all, you know, your supply chain from where your products, uh, where you receive your products, who's manufacturing all the way through how you're providing your customers to, you know, to keep up with their, you know, constantly changing, uh, you know, preferences that that's the new black. Interesting. So we're talking about responsibility and accountability and reliability and dependability. Oh, such good that apply to every industry, don't they? Yes. And that's, that's fashionable. Thank you very much, Brian. Okay. This is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie, a song, a TV show character, something that on its literal surface has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And they've sent me some really good ones. We're going to start with Martin. And the trick is they're going to tell me, tell all of us in their own words, why they picked the quote and why they believe it does have to do with the topic. So we're going to be learning some personal observations here. Martin Stanzig has sent us a wonderful quote. We hear this very often. I think this uh, character, Dory, the blue tang with a short-term memory loss, voiced by Ellen DeGeneres, of course, in the 2003 computer animated adventure film, I can take a breath there, <sighs> Finding Nemo. And I think she's going to become the new Einstein, Dory, because everybody's quoting her. And I won't sing it, but it's just keep swimming, just keep swimming, 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 swimming. Martin Stenzig, what does this have to do with fashion tech? Go ahead, Martin. Well, it it, it all starts out with my kids. Uh, you know, I have a five-year-old and a, and a three-year-old. So um, they're watching the movie. And whenever I see that movie, I, I find it very applicable to, to what we're going through in the, in the tech business. Um, it is, everything is changing so quickly that the biggest problem we have these days is adoption. Uh, we don't have a technology problem because we have so many technologies that we can apply to things. Um, the question is, what do customers and specifically companies want to and can adopt from an organizational change management perspective? So when I thought about this, this quote, keep on swimming, it's, it's literally companies, you know, just, just keep on going and don't stop. I feel like, you know, we're, we have to constantly, um, constantly be on, on the money when it comes to uh, agility um, change. I mean, you saw it last year, you know, all the plans that were laid were thrown out of the window on a, in a heartbeat. So you just need to be agile and, and make sure that you have your business set up in a, in a way where you can react quickly to, to the situations just like last year um, and make sure that you're not missing a beat. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And let's go to, I'm going to get the speaker view back here. Let's go to Harreen. Harina sent us a quote from the movie, or let me just give the character first, Tony Stark, Anthony Edward Stark, commonly known as Tony Stark, played by Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man, 2008, the first film in the MCU. I didn't know what that was. It's the <laughs> Marvel Cinematic Universe. Welcome, Bonnie, to the world of Marvel. It's a franchise that includes TV, films, digital, literature, and uh, big movies like this one. And here is the quote Harina's picked. I am Iron Man. I hope I did that okay. Harina, what does that have to do with our topic? Help me out here. Perfect, boy. You know, to me, again, I'm a huge Marvel and uh, comic book aficionado. So again, I, I have read these books ever since I was a, sm a small kid. So to me, again, the vision that Marvel had because from the first movie where Tony Stark or Iron Man made that statement to Iron Man, they had a, a vision and an arc all the way to sort of phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four of that whole MCU that you've just discovered as well. And actually, ironically, phase four ends with the same quote as well, 
where the arc of Iron Man comes to an end, and he sort of ends the whole phase four movie with "I am Iron Man." So, to me, again, in fashion, technology, business, it's an amazing thing—the vision that Marvel Studios had to start that and then create this interconnected story and a universe about the start and the end and all these uh, characters. Uh, Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. Very interesting. Very well done. Thank you. Kim McIntosh has sent us a quote from another iconic movie, Wizard of Oz, 1939. None of us were around then, but the movie still is. American musical fantasy film, Dorothy, of course, Dorothy Gale, played by the one, the only, forever Judy Garland. And here's the quote. Everybody knows it. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Oh, yes. Kim McIntosh, in your own words, what does this have to do with our topic, please? This is a whole new world for fashion businesses today, right? We think, I think we learned so much last year during COVID with the shutdown and how we do business and how fashion customers go to business and how brands differentiate themselves. And I think that differentiation is what really brings us to, it, it is a whole new world, right? We're in a different place today than we were even two years ago. And fashion will continue to evolve like that, using technology to kind of support that and, and bring to bear um, what really needs to happen for our, for our customers of fashion, right? As we kind of sit today. So it's, it's all about the, the future, right? And, and where we, we really are is, is not where we think we should be, but always thinking ahead. Thank you, Kim. And it's interesting because as we look at fashion in the past year with how many millions of people working from home in an office, a kitchen, a living room, maybe a closet or a bathroom, fashion changed. You weren't in the office anymore. You were the office. So a whole new industry, I understand, popped up of leisure slash Zoom worthy wear, meetings worthy wear, right? And people's styles changed. And I, I know a lot of people thought, well, I'm never going to wear that business suit again. Let's just donate it somewhere or let's burn it. I don't know what they, what they had to do in the cold of winter. I, I'm trying not to be facetious here. But the point is that fashion had to change to meet a huge global disruption to everything we know, everything we do everything we believed in that impacted the world and still is impacting the world. So we're not in Kansas anymore. Kim's so appropriate on so many levels because we weren't in the office anymore. And now people are saying, I'm not going back. So what happens to the clothes? Are they going to start their own uh, clothes business, uh, Mary's Closet, and get rid of the clothes and start a home industry? I don't know. But we are not in Kansas anymore. And Dorothy can keep her skirts and her pigtails because Maybe that's what we're all going to look like. Brian Cedarborg, thank you, Kim, has sent us a quote from, this is from the movie Kung Fu Panda, animated film, fran another franchise, three films, Kung Fu Panda 2008, Kung Fu Panda 2 from 2011, and Kung Fu Panda 3 from 2016. I hope I said that right. And the attribution for the quote is Mr. Ping, voiced by James Hong, is talking to his son, Po Ping, voiced by Jack Black. That's what my that's what my source told me, and I found a clip. But Brian is shaking his head no. So you're going to tell me. And the quote is: "There is no secret ingredient." Brian Cedarborg, correct me or amplify me. Where are we? Yeah, you you actually got the origin the origination part of it right. The the part I was trying to really emphasize was at the end. If you've seen the movie, at the end, it's actually Poe's the one that says it. So Jack Black's character, he's the panda himself. So he spends this whole time thinking, you know, he's not good enough. And he thinks that he's going to become good enough because there's going to be something special that's going to be given to him. He's going to, you know, if you, if you know it, it's going to read the dragon skull and he's going to 
all of a sudden this amazing, you know, knowledge is going to come and make him great. At the end of it, he comes to realize that it's, it's, that's not what it is. He himself is good enough. You know, that's the whole point of it is, is you are good enough as yourself. Um, so it's this beautiful, beautiful moment. Uh, so, you know, how that connects to our, our topic is, you know, the, the fashion industry is having to market to the individual, you know, it used to be look at, you know, look at individual segments with groups of people. It's not that way anymore. Uh, it needs to be bespoke. It needs to be to the, to the individual. So there is no secret ingredient. The individual is, is what's important. You are good enough as you are. Thank you very much. And there, there are some philosophies in the world, aren't there, Brian, that say you are good enough. Uh, I know the, the Book of Miracles says you are perfect as you are, whoever you are, whatever you are at this moment in time. Very, very interesting quote. And thank you for referencing that Poe himself actually said it at the end. It was used a couple of times. Uh, there's a quote about if you ain't first, you, you're a loser, I think. And it's from Talladega Nights. And everybody thinks Bobby said it, uh, Will Ferrell's character. And it's actually Ricky Bobby. It's actually Reese Bobby, his father, played by Gary Cole, who shows up after all these years. And he's the one who says it. So I have to I have to look at the father-son relationship on that quote, too. Sorry, somebody's using that on a show on Friday. Brian, thank you very much. Now we're moving into the predictions, which is what the show is all about. So we've gotten to know our guests. We've gotten to know a little bit about their favorite movies and what they think and how the movies relate to our topic. And now we're going to go to predictions. Just so the guests know, I'm going to put the prediction I've selected into the chat to you so you'll know where we are. Nobody gets stranded or left behind here. So, Martin Stanzig, you're up first. Your prediction number one. Let's go with this. Take about two to three minutes. Unpack it. And to the other guests, if you want to comment, just raise your hand and I will see you. That's the beauty of Zoom. And I will ask you to comment. Otherwise, we'll just keep moving along. So, Martin's first prediction is, with the improvements in mobile technologies, we will see custom fashion fittings Ooh, in the next 10 years. Can't wait for that. Martin, talk to me. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if it's 10 years, um, but, you know, you all have your, your cell phone, your iPhone, your, your Android device, and all of those devices are getting better and better at what we call 3D scanning. Um, now, you even use 3D scanning these days for, for Xbox games. Uh, so, so the technology that we started out in the industry where we scanned rooms has, has made its way into, into your mobile device. So what we are seeing companies wanting to do is, is use that power of your mobile device, especially when we're staying at home, um, and use it to your advantage. So how about we're just pointing my phone at your foot in order to get the right shoe size? How about I have a mirror that, that can overlay you know, what a dress looks like on you rather than, um, rather than just having to ship it one way and then ship it back. So that's, I think, what, what will come. We're already very close to it. So when I, um, so when I say 10 years, um, that's a conservative approach. I think we're much closer to it. But I think in, certainly within 10 years, within the 10-year time frame, we're going to be there and we're going to see that. Um, I think what has happened, especially with, with COVID, is that we're seeing an acceleration in, in, in those intentions. Um, and, and we'll see you know, other technologies coming into the mix that, that help us visualize those, those fittings as well. 
Thank you very much. That would be very, very interesting, Martin, to be able to point my phone at my foot and say, I need, I need a shoe. And it would hopefully say, well, you've got a little bump on your big toe on your right foot. So we need a shoe. Kim's smiling. She gets it a little bit wider around the top of the shoe. And we know that you don't wear high heels anymore, but we know you're a drummer and you want a chunky heel that will work well on the pedal of your kick drum, but not too high and enabled you to walk up on a stage to perform. Wouldn't that be lovely if it knew all those biometrics, if you will, about Martin? Is that going to happen? Seriously? I, I think it will be a two-stage process. I think stage one will be that we will determine the right fitting size of the standard sizes that we have today. But I think what we will end up with is that you will, as part of your you know, XXX order, um, will submit your custom, your custom sizing. Yeah, so a 3D image of your foot, a 3D image of your body, a 3D image of your face in order to get the right glasses, the right shirt, the right, the right um, sizing. And, and we'll probably get to a make-to-order process where, you know, that custom sizing is used in the machine itself um, that makes you the, the perfect fitting shoe, you know, at that point in time. So I think that's kind of where we will end up. Um, and that's probably more the 10-year time period. But I think in the next two or three years, we will have we'll have sort of the, the sizing analysis based on based on mobile devices. I love it. And we used to talk about the Make For Me manufacturing jet. Remember a couple of years ago, Make For Me, a, a, a lot, an inventory lot of one. And we used to talk about, and I don't hear people talking about it too much anymore, where manufacturing needed to be flexible, nimble, agile enough to make a custom sneaker, if you will, ordered with all of those details, and then be able to go back to mass produce 10,000 of a standard sneaker model. So interesting. Make for me, maybe that's where we want that to go. Thank you, Martin. Let's go to Harin's first prediction. I'm going to number one. You say fashion supply chains will start using blockchain technology by 2022. That's next year. This will enable all players in the fashion value chain, and you can explain that, to see and track the sources of supply, raw materials, etc. Harim, talk to us. Yeah, so for me, again, uh, starting from a manufacturing background as well, where I started off, this whole visibility across the supply chain has always been a big, uh, big problem that the whole industry has uh, tried to uh, resolve and again with with COVID and what we faced in the last two years with the whole upheaval of, of supply chains, it's become more and more important. And especially with the uh, point you brought up earlier, sustainability. So where is my product made from the cotton field that the cotton comes from, from the uh, labor which is used in a manufacturing plant, all the way to the wash details of the garment. So again, what is the right uh, technology? In the, in the past, the need was there, but maybe not the right technology to sort of capture that need. But now with COVID and also with the blockchain technology, it's a perfect sort of combination of the need being there as well as the technology being available to have that uh, across the value chain. Thank you very much. Good to know. Appreciate the prediction. Kim McIntosh, prediction number two, environmental concerns. Let's take a little deeper into this. We'll have a greater impact on fashion brands. Eliminate disposable fashion and further increase the resale platforms available today. That's a lot. Kim, unpack it for me, please. 
it really starts where Harin left off, Bonnie, right? So when you think about it, you know, everything is all around, around our environment today and, and how it's manufactured from, as, as Harin mentioned, from the cotton fields, right? Knowing the source of that, that um, product and, and how it gets to us and then what happens to it afterwards, right? What happens to it when it's not our style or, or like me, it's not the same size that we need anymore or whatever it is, right? <laughs> We don't want to fill up our landfills, right? We don't want to have the environmental uh, issues kind of hitting us on the back end of that purchase, right? So, so we definitely, uh, I see the future as being, you know, in the past, I, I guess, five years, we've seen a lot of these resale platforms where people are, are selling their designer fashions, you know, um, to, a, to another market, right? And it's a whole, a whole big deal. And it's, it's, it's grown a lot. And I think it's going to significantly grow even further. It's really all about how do we save our earth, right? And how do we, how do we save the globe and, and be fashion conscious as well, right? So I want clothes that make me feel good. I want to feel confident and I want to look, you know, very fashionable all the time, but I don't necessarily maintain that same fashion over my lifespan. So I'm going to go and, and, you know, I don't want it to be um, non-biodegradable. I don't want it to be, you know, a, a situation where it's just going to fill up a landfill. I want to be able to, to pass that on to somebody else who would like that fashion and is, is right for them at that time in, in, in you know, currently. And so I think that's, that's what we're going to see is a lot more of that. And it's, it's all managed by, by that technology, as Harin kind of just mentioned, from that very source of knowing where it came from, all the way through, I think there'll be a lot more requirements for people to buy on the secondary market, even because they know that, that, you know, functionality. I think today we're, we're a little kind of like, oh, okay, we're going to try this thing again, but with, <laughs> with this resale market, but it's really taken off. And I think it'll, it'll get even bigger as we start to think more, more about um, the traceability of our garments, uh, our, you know, our accessories, whatnot, and, and then the lifespan of them and how we, how we revitalize them for the next generation. Thank you. Very interesting. And and talking about secondary market and, and resale, there's a favorite kind of little suede brocade boot with a, a nice thick heel that I, I like to wear for my drumming. And the manufacturer doesn't make them anymore. So I set out to buy them on the secondary market. But I look for NWT, which is a... a it's an abbreviation for new with tags or new without tags. I won't buy used shoes somebody's worn, but if I see the pictures and the, the sole shows me that nothing, there's no dust, there's no dirt on it, and they look brand new and with or without the tag, but maybe with the box. I have bought four pairs of my boots on Poshmark and other sites. I never, ever would have done that. So I'm willing to say, you bought it, you didn't wear it. I need it. I want it. I like it. The price is right. The only problem was the heels were very, let's say, made not sturdy. And three pairs wore out from a little bit of walking around and drumming. And I couldn't wear the boots because they were down to the fabric on the heel. There are no shoemakers in the area where I live. There are none. You have to drive a half hour to a major mall to find the shoemaker. He charged me $20 a pair of boots to put little heels on them. It cost me as much for the heels almost as the shoes. Never in my life have I paid that much money for heels. So there's an interesting part of that, Kim, is I'm giving work to a craftsperson who is able to do something. And he can charge whatever the hell he wants because the times they are a change. And we ain't Kansas anymore, lady with the boots. And yet I'm buying on the secondary market, taking these off of somebody else and not asking the manufacturer to go back and use more 
more material. I'm rambling on here. Brian Cedarborg. Thank you, Kim. Great, great information there. Brian, prediction number one, you say fashion customer sentiment. I don't think we've touched on this yet. Will become a KPI as valuable as inventory. So I want you for our listeners who may not know what a KPI is, it's possible, Brian, first unpack KPI and then tell us about customer sentiment. Brian saying, what, seriously? You never know. Okay, so Brian, go ahead. Yeah, so KPI, uh, key performance indicator. So just think the top line metrics that an executive or decision maker would review on a daily basis to understand how to make decisions. I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. So the, the reason for the prediction, it's a, it's a few things. It's, it's a bit this juxtaposition of kind of the old versus the new. I mean, certainly the, the, the classic KPI is obviously sales margin, but inventory for fashion has been extremely important. Where, you know, where is my stuff? And, you know, so I can make decisions about what to do with it. How do I allocate it? Uh, what decisions do I make? Do I mark it down, et cetera, et cetera. It's been just a, you know, it's been to some degree the, the lifeblood of the fashion industry. You know, where's my inventory? Uh, so coupling that with customer sentiment, so how do, how do customers feel about my products, how they feel about my brand, how are they leveraging my products, I mean, that's going to become as important or more important uh, for a few reasons. One is we have access to the data now, so, so customers are very free about giving their opinion on a whole host of different uh, mediums. So the ability to be able to garner that, kind of distill it to, you know, to decisionable data, you know, provide that to decision makers is going to be extremely important and will, and will be done because, you know, the, these fashion companies are spending so much time building their brand. Their brand can be, uh, it can be changed, you know, you know, positively and negatively uh, very, very quickly now, you know, based on the, based on customer sentiment and the ability for customers to be able to, to provide their opinion very, you know, very visibly for others to see and then react to. So having access to that and be able to take action very, very quickly is gonna become extremely important for, for fashion companies. Thank you very much. Very interesting. That was round one of predictions. Let's go into round two now. Martin Stenzig, I'm back to you. You like to look out 10 years. Let's see if this prediction holds. <laughs> you say augmented reality. I wanna know about this. We'll allow you to quote, try on unquote, all your clothes in the next 10 years. Oh my, bring it on. Martin, talk to us. Yeah, I think what we're seeing from, especially the large software vendors like Microsoft, Apple, um, that, they are, that everybody wants to sort of take the, the computer information and project it into the real life. Um, you, you saw that in the past, well, two or three years ago, with some of the games that people played where they're walking through the street, holding the iPhone at, at sort of the, the environment and suddenly see you know, little, little animals going, going back and forth, you know, doing these kinds of gamey things. I think what we'll see is, is a blend of that, uh, the technology with fashion. Um, what I mean with that is you already see sort of the, the initial stages from uh, Google, from Microsoft, uh, Apple hasn't announced it yet, but there are rumors that, that Apple will actually come up with some glasses that are tethered to your iPhone. So where does it all lead us? It leads us to, you know, Think of, think of the glasses you wear right now, Bonnie. You know, what if you could actually project your iPhone information or your computer mm -hmm. information directly on the glasses without having to, you know, have a box next to your ear that is mm -hmm. as big as my hand. But, but once we are combining the technology and, and miniaturizing the technology to such a degree that, you know, it's not 
um, a barber anymore, but it's just, you know, part of your fashion that you're wearing at that point in time, I think we'll, we'll see um, huge benefits. Uh, one of the benefits being um, now I can take um, the, the fashion that I want to wear and overlay it. So think of it like, you know, you're, you're putting glasses on your, on your mother-in-law and you're doing testing out, trying out bridal dresses. Uh? So rather than having to put them on, take them off, you know, um, you're, at least your mother-in-law gets a, gets a first cut at it without having to try on 20 or 30 dresses. So those are the things that I think we will see uh, based on, on all the factors that we're currently seeing from fashion, but also from, from the technology space. Um, and again, I don't think we're that far off. It's more a take the pieces and put them together into, into the real life uh, environment. Thank you. That might help a lot of bridal parties avoid really hideous dresses for the bridesmaids. <laughs> when you see movies and you see the bridesmaids walking down the aisle and you say, who picked those dresses? Who picked that color? If that could be avoided gently and people say, holy blank, that's what it's going to look like? No, thank you. That would be interesting. I'm just, you know, my opinion. Hold on. Let's go to Aaron's prediction number two. He says, all fashion companies are now investing heavily on the digital sales channel, online mobile, with features such as buy online, pick up and return in store. This escalation will be the norm. Okay. Harin, talk to me. Very interesting. What are we looking at? Yeah, so as you know, I guess e-commerce and online sales used to be a certain percentage as opposed to sort of wholesale and traditional brick and mortar. And over the years or the last few years, companies have been investing heavily to sort of move on to e-commerce and online sales. But now with COVID and the pandemic happening again, this process has got escalated so much so that almost the retail store is a place to go and see the product as opposed to go and buy the product. And, and again, wholesale, if you look at companies like Nike, for example, are moving away from wholesale altogether and focusing online. So again, what used to be the sort of third priority in any, any sales process or any sales, uh, sales revenue is now going to be number one. And you'll see more and more brands being online or digital only. So what used to be that niche or what used to be a part of it is going to be the new norm. And that's just going to be, be the way we interact with brands and uh, going forward. Thank you very much. Talking about convenience, right? Talking about yes, where, exactly. bring it to me where I want it, when I want it, how I want it. Make my life a little bit or a lot easier. Thank you, Irene. Very interesting. Kim, I'm looking at your prediction number four, and this is taking a little bit further than we've been going. You say in-store, in-person shopping, and I'm going to say, oh my, what is that? We'll be more about the customer experience and less about the actual purchase. This is interesting. I think this started a while ago and it's going to come back. Retailers will need to create unique experiences for their customers, their shoppers, and use their brick and mortar stores for brand awareness and excitement. Kim, take us into this very interesting projection. When will this happen? Is it already in process? Go ahead. I think it's already in process. It started, um, it started certainly before COVID hit, but 
I think probably got accelerated even more, right? We've gotten very comfortable now with ordering stuff online and, and staying in and staying away from other people and not, you know, going out to those um, retail shops. And, and really, when I think about when I purchase today, right, it's different than what I used to purchase or the way that I used to purchase five years ago even, right? And so when you think about that, you want to go into a store. I'm, I'm not wanting to go into a store because I want to try on a bunch of clothes because we all know that nobody likes to do that, right? Um, we're hoping Martin's prediction comes true sooner than 10 years from now. I would love to be able to just, um, like I try on my glasses now, you know, take a picture and, and it, you know, see what it looks like on me and all perfect, right? Um, so I, I think that when I go to a store, it's really more about what, what am I looking for? I'm looking for something very specific, something that somebody else can help me um, to find. I, I'm looking for um, a, a day out with the girls, right? I'm looking for, for a, a real experience. And I don't want to walk into a, a generic, you know, department store and just be kind of searching through racks. That's not what I'm looking for. I can certainly do that online just as easily and I can send it back, you know, based on what Harin just said. We know that we have that ability to buy it and return it so easily now. That's that's the way of the future. And that's the way, you know, fashion brands have had to, to kind of uh, move to. So if I'm going in the store, it better be for a, a good reason. And it's not just to kind of browse, right? I, I'm past my browsing dates. I'm, I'm so used to that immediate convenience of, of being able to order online and, you know, a day or two, it's, it's there it's in the store, I can go pick it up or, or it's here in my home. Right. So, um, and if I don't like it, I return it. Right. No, no big deal. But um, I, I think that this is the way that fashion brands are going to continue to work with brick and mortar. I honestly feel like um, they're going to be more customer centric focused um, around what that buyer is wanting when they walk in the store, what kind of an experience it's going to be. I think it's going to be much more personalized than it ever was before. I think Brian made the comment earlier about it's all about, you know, you being you and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think all of that kind of comes into play when you talk about retail in the, in the sense that we used to know it. It will be much different going forward. Thank you. And very interesting, Kim. I'm reflecting back on pre-COVID days of going to stores, big box stores and retailers who had a lot of franchises, a lot of, a lot of opportunities to visit them in different places. The thing that was lacking to me in terms of a customer experience was sometimes somebody greeted you, most often not. You look for a salesperson or a, somebody to help you figure out what department, if it's a really big store, where will I find XYZ? You cannot find anybody. Uh, nobody says thank you for being our customer at the checkout. So to me, the customer experience would be retraining people in the store, brick and mortar, to pay attention to the customer to be friendly, to be positive. Thank you for coming to XYZ. We're happy to have you here. How may I help you? I want to be left alone. Good. Have a good trip and we'll see you at the checkout counter. Something that will acknowledge me as a human being who is choosing to spend my time and possibly my money in that store. That would be a great experience to me. No annoying music. Make sure everything is clean. I'm really getting down to the basics here, Kim. Make sure there are no, no ancillary odors in the store. Make sure that, that the, the shelves and the racks are well organized that to me would be a good customer experience and it's interesting but uh, during the pandemic and this may be even before Kohl's had a deal with 
Amazon. Are you all aware of this? It's a return policy. And when I go into Kohl's, and I've, I've never shopped there before, I walk in and you don't even have to package, repackage, or box the item. You get a code, a return code from Amazon. You have it on your phone or your tablet or whatever your device is. You walk in, there are signs in the Kohl's store, straight ahead, take a right, take a left, you go to a separate area with a stanchion, it's protected, the person is behind a plexiglass because of COVID, a plexi shield, you wait your turn, very seldom is there a line, you bring the item, you hold up your phone or your device, they scan it with a barcode reader on what the return is, they thank you, they give you a receipt for your item, and then they give you a 20% off coupon to be spent in Kohl's that day. Now, what a great partnership. So I spent a little more time shopping at Kohl's or spending time looking at Kohl's that I never would have. It would have been a drop off and, and go back home. Anybody have a comment on that kind of, of partnership idea with that's a little, little, little bit of country, a little bit of rock and roll. That's the digital world where I ordered it from Amazon and then I got a code without talking to anybody and I went to a real store. Martin, any comments about that or Brian or Harine, any thoughts or Kim? Anybody experience that as well? Yeah, so again, uh, uh, in, if you see Amazon now has uh, stores, right? Physical stores. If you could mm -hmm. see now in New York and whatever, and they, you walk into the store and they say, yep. okay, these are the X number of items ordered by people in your area. And they also have their retail experience, but it, it's more to enhance the online experience versus to drive retail, right? So yeah, we, we see that all the time now. I have. I went to one of those in a mall here, Crabtree Mall in Durham, Raleigh, Durham, a couple of weeks ago. Yes, interesting experience. Kim, you want to say something? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. I think that whole Amazon Kohl's thing is just brilliant, right? And, and I think we're going to see more of that, right? You're going to see some of these malls that that used to house all these smaller um, stores and whatnot, kind of becoming Amazon centers for that very similar situation, right? So it. It's it's the Amazon effect, I guess, right? But but yes. um, for sure, I never shopped in Kohl's until I started buying from Amazon and returning. Same, and I got the most gorgeous, fluffy, humongous red bath towels to accessorize my master bathroom at Kohl's, <laughs> and there were only three left on the shelf, and I didn't care whether there were three or two or four. I just I couldn't even walk; they were so big and fluffy. I don't even know what to do with them, but they look great sitting in my bathroom. Martin, any comments on that that brilliant move? Talk to me. Yeah, I think I think where where dovetails into is is traceability. Yeah. I think where where dovetails into is or what it dovetails into is traceability. So I think um, with the and you mentioned blockchain earlier in in the program. I think that's what we're seeing, not just in the fashion industry, but but sort of in the in the retail business, but in other businesses as well. Everybody wants to know where does my X come from? Yeah? Where was it sourced? Um, where was it stored? For regulatory purposes, we sometimes need to be able, uh, if something happens with it, if something, if we have a recall, we want to know what is that badge or what is that that common den denominator that made it faulty. Um, so, so I think that's what you will see more and more. And and it's easier now for the Amazons of this world to say, listen, you didn't buy this from me because it was sourced somewhere else. Um, so I think that's how where it all comes together at the moment. Uh, because of customer experience, we're not even we're not even doing the check, um, and that's the great thing in the U.S. I grew up in Germany, where you always have to negotiate your way uh, in a return first. Um, so I, I I grew up with a completely different experience. But from a from a customer experience perspective, what we're seeing today is that I think we'll get back to more stringent 
returns because we have the technology that can support whether or not the return is justified or not. So it makes it easier. Hence, I can I can still have the good customer experience, but with more validity um, in the in the process. Thank you for linking that together. Very interesting, Martin. Brian, I'm teeing you up for your prediction number four. This is something we haven't talked about on almost any of my radio shows. Very interesting. You say cryptocurrency aha, will become a primary tender type for fashion purchases. Brian, take us on a tour of what this means for fashion, please. Sure. So there's going to be this continued desire to take to take friction out of the payment process that's going to happen uh, global commerce is obviously here that'll continue in fact that you know it, it'll it'll accelerate so there's going to be a desire to be able to move seamlessly across country borders and then security of course there's going to be a desire to have transactions become more and more and more secure so you really net all that together and and, and cryptocurrency is you know is is the spot where you land you know so it's uh it's still, I mean, I know there's, it's, it gets a lot of hype these days, for sure, especially from an investment point of view. But, but you know, in terms of an asset class, it's, it's really brand new in its life cycle, very, very new. So there's still a lot that's getting worked out here. But, uh, you know, a lot of our customers right now are, are investigating this very significantly. So they're starting to look through their, you know, their, uh, you know, their different points of sale, their payment processes, and trying to investigate what it would take to, to bring uh, bring various cryptocurrencies in to be able to accept payment. So it's it's it is coming. Any predictions on which retailers will be the first in line for crypto payments, Brian? Or do you prefer not to? Well, it's going to be the smaller ones are going to always start. I mean, that's sort of the way things, especially in the fashion space. You're you're seeing so many disruptors come up through the smaller companies. They're going to be the ones that are going to adopt this faster. It's easier for them because they're they're really modifying. Are they're, they're putting in brand new sets of systems or making brand new partnerships, whereas the you know the larger ones are ones that are typically having to modify you know more existing relationships or existing infrastructure. So it's gonna it's gonna be the smaller ones that are gonna lead the charge here. Thank you very much. Coming to a maybe retailer in fashion, maybe near you, maybe sometime in the near future, maybe. And that will excite people who love their cryptocurrency. We have time for, I think, one more prediction. Martin Stanzig, let's look at your prediction number four. Yeah, we've got about four and a half minutes left. Machine learning models will support fashion pricing recommendations in the next two to three years. How will that work, Martin? Yeah, so we've seen the adoption of machine learning or artificial intelligence in the in the fashion space, but in the broader industries over the past few years. Um, I think it, it it was overhyped certainly, but there are some really good use cases where where sort of the the standard prediction of what price should you do and what kind of results should you have um, applies. And and what we are seeing is 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 through competitive um, shopping or competitive pricing, taking all of these input factors. And then coming up with what is the best possible price you should put onto your product in order to sort of have the best the best result. Uh, and because computers are now so powerful that we can feed it with, you know, a whole slew of input factors, um, you know, we can we can build these models that that allow me to factor in, hey, what's the weather forecast for the next three years? Yeah, what is um, you know what are the the factors in population, population density, um, ethnic groups, you know, you name it, all of that we can fill into, into that, into the algorithm um, that has enough raw data in order to then say, okay, um, set that jacket at 
$55 because you're selling high volume, even though your margin is not high, but you're making it up on the volume part. So those are the things that, that in the past was very difficult to, to calculate. Now we have the computer power and it really is mainstream functionality these days. It's not special anymore. Um, so that, you know, it will become more adopted um, in the industry. Thank you very much. And I'm going to sneak in one more tiny prediction here from Harina. I'm looking at number four. You say technology will help the fashion industry lead the in the circular economy. Harreen, just I can give you 60 seconds. That's it. Can you just do a quick definition for us, please? Yeah, I mean, like uh, uh, Kim mentioned earlier, the circular economy based on the clothes that we wear, uh, companies like Zara, H&M, there's a lot of clothes we sort of leave in our closet and especially now to your point earlier because we, we don't go to work, our, our habits have, have changed as well. So there is a lot of incentive to use technology to find a solution for that and to drive that circular economy forward, be sort of recycling, being uh, all these sort of wardrobe, sort of uh, swapping, sharing stuff as well. So again, I, I, I think it will lead in this area, the fashion industry. Thank you. And I've covered circular economy as well. My other show is talking about industrial manufacturing and supply chain. And the idea is that you, you don't throw stuff out. You just keep, and very often it's for raw materials. There might be a factory that has some kind of an, an output of gasoline or of, of special smoke or oil. And instead of putting it back into the ground or using it to pollute, they would make that a product that goes to another company that could use that resource. So it's interesting to apply it. I want to thank all of you. We're just about out of time, according to my engineer, Martin Stanzig. Everybody give Martin a round of applause for inviting all of you. Martin, you did very, very well. Thank you so much for inviting such interesting people. Kim McIntosh, such a pleasure. Basic black lady, that's where it is. It's not, a, for me, it's not an LBD anymore. And you know what that is. It's a, yeah, you know, it's a little more BD. There we go. Uh, Brian Cedarborg, such a pleasure as well. Harin Nana Yakara, such a pleasure to have you. You're also so invested in the technology of fashion and in the topic. And I really appreciate the work you put into it. And I want you all to say thank you to my engineer, Aaron Keller at Voice America Radio Business. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, thank you Aaron. You. I told you we started two years ago at age 26 of me and he's 62 now, just turned 63. And one more closing message. I'm Bonnie and if somebody comes up to you and says, the future, the future is already here. I want you to wag your, everybody wag your finger. Come on, Kim and Brian and Harin. And you say, no, no, no. That was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. And we're all going to do our best to make it a better one. Bye-bye from Technology Revolution, the future of now. Bye, Facebook. Bye, Voice America Biz. Everybody wave. Bye. Bye. Stick around for... Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.